across South Africa, online and on radio. SAFM, let's talk. Thank you so much for staying with us. And thank you, by the way, for all those voice notes. I really appreciate them. Um, 12 minutes after 2 o'clock, we're moving and shifting gears slightly now. And we all remember that case, uh, Lufuno uh, Mabunga's case. Um, I think it left a lot of us just distressed. Um, And I think it brought back a conversation around bullying and what has to be done about bullying and, and why we are seeing it seems that way. I mean, I'm not saying that there is an escalation, but it seems that there, there, there may be some sort of an escalation uh, around bullying. It, it may also be that social media now plays a role in, in exposing what is happening, not that there is an escalation. But nonetheless, we've all seen what we've seen, and it is very distressing. And my concern is that oftentimes when we speak about bullying, of course, as it should, we should speak about the child who's being bullied. But but to what extent are we, you know, also asking about the child that is the bully and, and trying to understand there what is going on and why we have at such an early age that level of anger, that level of frustration and so on. So that's a conversation we're going to have today. You really are welcome to be a part of it. And your thoughts, your comments, if you have your own experiences, I'd love to have them today. 011-714-2006 is the number to dial. You can also send us a voice note if you like on 0614104107. Dr. Natalie Solomon is a clinical psychologist and director of research at Bella Vista Share. Joining us on the line, Dr. Solomon, thank you so much for being with us this afternoon. We we thank don't you. talk a lot about the 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 bully, and mm-hmm. and one of the things that's always struck me when we talk about the bully, we we always have this assumption that. There must be a problem in the home. The parents must, you know, they must be fighting and constant yelling and shouting. It's not always the case, is it? No, it's not always the case. I mean, it's, it's quite common that, yes. that often it does happen, but no, it's not always the case, absolutely. Mm. Um, in fact, it's very interesting. There was a book written by um, the mother of the Columbine shooter mm-hmm. and she talks about her experience of the home as being a very loving home mm. and her sense of complete disbelief mm. when it was her son that mm. was actually the shooter. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's not always the case that it's a fractious home. Well, the, the statistics do suggest there are certain qualities um, within the home that might um, promote or might um, create and the likelihood for certain characteristics to build. The reason I bring this up is because what usually happens in society is that because it's the first thing we suspect, we, we then perpetuate the, 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 you know, we victimize the family as well. We victimize the parents, if they are parents, whoever it may be. And, and very often we neglect other contributing factors. It could be health. It could be hormones. It could be other factors where perhaps there is, there's greater support rather than us pointing fingers at the family that's required. Absolutely. So look, I think that um, family and connection with parents is incredibly important, mm. and I wouldn't undermine that or underplay that at any point. And then, in fact, the research suggests that having open lines of communication and having a close attachment to one's parents um, minimizes the risk for being bullied as well as for bullying. Mm-hmm. So I do think that it is an important um, quality for us to take 
to take a look at. Mm. Um, but added to that would be the community um, of care surrounding mm-hmm. the, child, the child or mm. kind of the community um, culture of the school or of the peers. That will certainly have an impact, again, developmentally, it, it will differ. So I think for the teenagers, that will be far more prevalent mm-hmm. for a younger child. Mm. Um, but certainly in environments that are incredibly competitive, that are quite critical mm. and judgmental, um, that there isn't space or tolerance for diversity mm. or there isn't tolerance um, for for inclusion. And difference, um, yeah. Yes, and difference that can um, create a mirror where the outside begins to reflect the inside and then the children also behave in that way. Got you. Let me also bring in a a practicing social worker and a youth mentor and coach, Nozikubeka, who's also on the line this afternoon with us. Uh, Thank you so much for being with us, uh, Ms. Kubeka. Let's, you you know, I asked in the beginning um, that I think it's, it's become prevalent. We don't know. I don't know. Can you tell us how prevalent bullying is, what we don't see um, on social media? Bullying is definitely prevalent. Um, I speak as a social worker because I work with young people Mm. and I see it, you know, in my practice. But I've also experienced it through my own child Mm -hmm. who who was bullied as a parent. I've also experienced it. And it it was very painful for the family. Mm. And I had to intervene as a parent. And I learn every day in my practice through what I see. What I see is that there is a mirroring of society to our children. Uh, you just have to watch television and see the violence that is uh, prevalent in our society. It is also spilling over to that. Mm-hmm. And my, my message is always there's values. Who are you? You, you? I think that the home is important in that sense. Mm-hmm. The values that we uh, teach our children, when they are squeezed out there, whether they are frustrated or they want to impress, they are being uh, bullied themselves or they are hurting themselves, what the choice of action that they take is based on who they are. Mm-hmm. Dr. Solomon, to what extent are families, and, and I, I'm very careful not to necessarily say parents, because whoever the guardian is may mm. not necessarily be a parent, to what extent um, does that network get surprised by a call saying, you know, that child is a bully? Is, is it always obvious to the family and those living around that child? No. Um, I, I mean, I think... Sometimes children act in a consistent way Mm. and how they are at home is how they are at school. Mm. But many times children are different in different environments Mm. and spurred on by certain peers or um, it's kind of a need for bravado. They may act in ways that are unacceptable that we don't necessarily get to see as parents or as teachers. Um, But generally speaking, um, one suggests that the typical, if one can say the typical yes, yes. family um, of a child that bullies, there's um, a sense of either very, very rigid parenting mm-hmm. um, and uh, very harsh mm-hmm. methods of discipline mm-hmm. or overly permissive. So there's no ah. supervision. Yeah. Um, so I think that's what's so important is that our children need us to be present. Mm-hmm. And so one would hope that if one is present, one would have a sense of what's going on in one's, child, in one's child's life. But of course, there's always surprises and children are notorious for keeping certain information separate from us. Mm-hmm. Um, Ms. Kubeka, let me, let's ask you about 
you know, when we do find in communities that this is something that is very, very prevalent, where do we begin? Um, I, I heard Dr. Solomon say, you know, oftentimes we, we don't talk about the community. And, and usually this is, as you also said, it's a reflection on the community. How do we become part of a solution, all of us? Yes, all of us have to be a solution, part of the solution. So it, it, charity begins at home. That's where the child is nurtured. That's where the child is raised. So there, in that environment, uh, the, the values that we teach our children and we teach every day, we train them every day. Um, uh, what are the values? The principles that guide your life. So, for instance, take me as a, as a parent and as a social worker. Whatever I do, is based on my values as well, mm. who I am. My Christian background or my, my spiritual background plays a very important role. But Ubuntu, you know, just the way I was, my rural background, where I was raised, uh, Makaya, Ubuntu, the way I saw uh, how my parents dealt with situations, how they even uh, resolved conflict between me and my siblings. All these things I take with me. So, the you know, um, the, the other person I'm with, uh, I forgot her name, the psychologist, also mentioned that be present in your child's life. Because, you know, I say as a parent, you need to watch that child 24-7. Honestly, the clues are always there. But if you're not present, you may be there physically, but you're not present. You're, you're not observing, you're not training this child. You will miss the signs. I mean, sometimes you just say, oh, that's, what did you say? How did you handle that? You could have handled it differently. And let's role model something. What could you have said to your sister or your brother or whatever? And, and you, by observing, you will get the clues all the time. So it starts at home. But then every home is a unit in society. So for me, honestly, I think home is the most important. But then people like me, social workers, pastors, teachers, and all these people uh, assist and work with the family. If they notice anything, they call the parents. If they see there's a lack of training, that's when I see them in my practice, that I need to help this parent, to help them parent this child, because a hurting child will hurt other children. Mm Dr. Solomon, it's exactly that, and and I'm I'm looking at reports today saying that um, that that young, I mean she's 14. That young girl um, has just been given bail. She's 14, and and one would hope that we would address it before someone goes to jail and faces trial and so on. So sometimes yeah. we we get the signs when it's a bit too late, and in fact maybe sometimes the child is tormenting the family. Can you help us with some strategies for those who yeah. are actually very aware, not that they're surprised, that they've got a problem? And, and, and I think sometimes, you know, there are parents who sit with anxiety. The children are tormenting them before they even go outside. Yeah. So, uh, what's, uh, you know, I find it really interesting. I and mean, she is only 14 years yeah. old. And I think what happened was a horrific experience. Yeah. But I think what's really important is that in responding to her we become bullies ourselves yes, yeah. and that we land up identifying with the aggressor and actually replicating an experience of being yeah. misunderstood yeah. exposed humiliated yeah. and i think mm. that for rehabilitation to take place shame and embarrassment and um punishment are not helpful that yeah. actually we really have to help a child understand and connect with consequences but also 
start to develop empathy. We have to start to develop a spirit of collaboration, working on a restorative justice and helping children understand that they're part of a bigger whole, that each person has a part within that community. But I think that we, mm. when we come down hard, all we do is... Uh, really kind of perpetuate the aggression Mm. and how will this child be different when we don't show her a different way of connecting Mm. you know miss kubeka you you were talking about the family and and i i often want us to reflect on the fact that not all families are real nuclear families and Mm. and circumstances Mm. are very different there are people who have absolutely no choice but not to be in the home who work very far some of the some of those people are in our homes you know and so we have to remember that those are children of people who we have the benefit of their presence in our other lives and so when we address those children who've been left behind how, what do we do? Where do we begin? Because as we were talking about restoring this young girl, you know, by the time she goes to jail, I don't know, do we have enough in society to help restore her if it wasn't at home in the first place? To who's going to restore her? I think that's where we say it takes a village to raise a child. And who's in that village? People like me, like I mentioned, professionals are in that village. Other parents, relatives, aunties and uncles, uh, teachers, uh, people who are just passionate. You know, children just need love. If we, we, we show them love, we show them empathy, uh, and, and, and we, when things like this happen, this is a crisis. So there needs to be some action. There needs to be some uh, community action by, by uh, you know, to support this this uh, parent and this family and the, the family that is bereaved. And so... Community, I always say social work comes in, in, in three forms. It's, it's casework where I deal with one-on-one. Sometimes that's not good enough. You need to do group work. You know, call a group of people who are experiencing the same problem together. Sometimes community work, you know, activism and, and, and mobilizing society to do different things to help uh, address a common problem problem in society. Mm-hmm. In our country, we really need more uh, social activism to try and address these issues on a community level, on a group level and on a case-to-case level. Uh, Dr. Solomon, I ask this question because by the time we get to a point where we are at now, mm. she slipped through the cracks. So yeah. so we talk about we should, but we didn't. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, you know, all of us at the end of this conversation carry on, you know, our lives carry on. We, we have, all of us, let this young girl down, including the deceased. Mm. Well, look, I think part of it is that it's never too late mm. and that mm. there's always opportunity to make repair. Mm. Um, yes, we may have let her down, but will we continue to let her down? Mm. Is there a way to help her with conflict resolution skills? Is there a way to help her um, to to work with repair? You know, a terrible rupture occurred, but how does one come back? I mean, our country is notorious for horrific acts of aggression. Mm-hmm. But let's learn how did how do we work post that? How do we repair? How do we make better? And we can't believe that things are just terrible. We're going to leave it that way. There has to be a way to reconnect and have to teach her how to do that work, how to reestablish a sense of being trustworthy again, um, and really again to try and make sense of her behaviour as a communication. Yeah. Try and so uh, there's distress, yeah. and if we could understand that better. 
So I think that schools are critically important and the role of a teacher is huge. I think many teachers spend more time with our children than Mm. the parents do. Mm. And so to work with teachers, to understand behaviors and to put meaning to behavior and then to create communities of inclusion, belonging, Mm -hmm. a sense of connectedness um, so that one feels a part of and there is less of a need to do things against one another what i what i what i would like us to think about is how let's focus on that particular community how do we repair the community you know there's talk of no don't give her a bail because the community will not allow it Mm -hmm. there are families here there's a bereaved family and then there's her family there's a community that's a part of the story what needs to happen in that community for all of us to get some healing and that we all are working from the same page. Ms. Kubega? You know, I'm just thinking, what would I do as a professional in mm. this situation? Mm. I would, I would first of all, work with... I was watching uh, this, the mom uh, on TV the mm. other day. They were interviewing her. My, my, my heart went to that lady. Mm. My heart went to that family. And I thought about the other family as well. So mm. you work with them one-on-one, counseling, really counseling, helping them to get to, te- to come to terms with what has happened. And then with this, I don't want to lose another child. We've lost one child. We can't lose this other one. She, mom, her mom said she wants to be a doctor. She, she has got dreams. She needs to repair her life, learn new behaviors, and, and, and she will make, you know, she, she, this child will, if she's loved out of the situation, she will pay back. She wants to be a doctor. She will, but with the guidance and, and, and the support and, and obviously teaching her different ways of behaving and then support the other family to heal. And then I would, I would actually have meetings with, with the local communities where mm-hmm. we have group work. We talk about these issues. Uh, you, you know, um, I would have a community work where we, we, we stay in that community for a while. You know, mm-hmm. professionals need to stay in that mm-hmm. community for a while and work with the individuals, then work with the groups and work with the community and, 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 and really help the community to, to forgive her. Mm-hmm. You know, she must forgive herself. The family must be forgiven, but they must also... Uh, show remorse in everything. I'm sure they they are, and and the other family must not be neglected as well. So it really is a, a, a many pronged solution. Mm. But somebody must stay in that community. Mm. Some professionals must be in that community, and and I would work with the pastors of that. Community. So if I, if I were coming from outside, I would work with the pastors, uh, respected community members and family members who understand and are empathetic. So it, it's a, it's a many pronged solution but it can be done. Mm. Now is a practicing social worker as well as Dr. Natalie Solomon clinical psychologist and director of research at Bella Vista Share. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back with many of your comments. I see them as well as your calls as well. Let me go though to the headlines at 2.30 with Leander Malbefest. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Dr. Natalie Solomon is a clinical psychologist and director of research at Bella Vista Share, as well as Nozukubega is our social worker and youth mentor and coach as well. She's authored a book called Teenager Be Wise. Dr. Solomon, this, this young lady is, is, likely go, is, is likely to go to prison. And, and I really am genuinely asking this, uh, not because I know any better. Is a juvenile prison the kind of place she should be getting, um, you know, the kind of assistance she needs for her to be a member of society that will add value to the society afterwards? So, um, generally speaking, no. Uh, Generally speaking, you know, prisons 
teach you to become better criminals. It's not, I mean, of course, there, there are amazing prisons with amazing work. Um, but one would have to look quite carefully about the ethos, about the rehabilitation that they're looking to create. But, um, you know, what, what is a place of healing? Mm-hmm. How do we actually, and, and people don't change through fear. People mm. change through feeling accepted and loved. Um, and I'm not, I think there's definitely consequences and there's work mm-hmm. to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the question is, what was going on in the bigger community mm-hmm. that brought to a space that there were no adults, that a child didn't feel like she could talk up about mm. it, or that the adults couldn't step in to protect and, and guide and set firm limits? Mm. Um, and then I would work very closely with the community around conflict solution, mm-hmm. about building collaboration and respect, a value-based leadership um, but I think to isolate an individual who's actually mm. part of a bigger system mm. and to put them in another kind of punitive environment, um, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit doubtful about yeah. it. She's long-term implications. Yeah, we have to remember she's 14. Yeah, um, um, yeah. that that I think for me stays with me, and I think, I mean, yes, her actions were atrocious. And there has been a life lost. All of that is very, very valid and needs to be taken into account. But my goodness, she's 14. And and one has to ask where, what have we done? What have we done to this young girl for her to to be this angry? And and it's it's as a community, as the adults to like step up and say, you know, you know, what what is she telling us? What are we needing yeah. to do yeah. so that our children can feel safe? Yeah. So we just take her and put her yes. in an unsafe space. That's it. So so you speak, uh, Ms. Kubega, about, you know, value based kind of um resolution principles and and here's the problem with society. That's very easy if all of us come from the same page and we've all agreed that our values are the same. But that's not the reality on the ground. So what then? It's not the reality on the ground, you're right. Mm. But then that's where the alignment. We need people, uh, professionals and community members to align everybody. To, to, to There needs to be a real alignment here. I, I just want to comment about they going to prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I, I honestly think that prison, I agree with her, that it's not the best place for this child. That's punishment. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we need a, 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 a corrective behavior over time. Mm-hmm. Careful consideration of what is best. And I don't think prison is, is the best place. I think uh, there needs to be... Uh, well, you can remove her from the, the normal environment for now, but it, what are we trying to achieve? So there needs to be a, a halfway place where she's going to be getting counseling, uh, love, uh, everything that she needs for a while, and then be reintroduced back into society within a short time, but prepare the society that she's being reintroduced. Because I heard the mom say, we can't now move to America, to, to another country, you know? We need to, so whilst we, 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 we just remove her, not to prison, but to some halfway place for a short time, and someone is working with her and with the families, uh, we also preparing the society that she must be reintroduced back into mm-hmm. so that uh, there's continuation. Because we must think about what are we trying to achieve here? Punishment mm-hmm. is not what we're trying to achieve. Mm. So, so, Dr. Solomon, I mean, we're speaking about this, we've, we've really honed in on this particular case. Mm-hmm. But the truth of the matter is that juvenile prisons are full. And, and there's, there's a conversation there to be had about all mm-hmm. of us and, and why 
we have full juvenile prisons Absolutely. because it's not only her. You know, the principle should apply to all the children who are in mm-hmm. juvenile prisons. And I, I wonder if we have had the conversation about what's happening with us that we have children in prison. Mm. Yeah. And it is really a reflection of our society. Um, you know, what do we do with problems? Yeah. We lock them away and uh, we don't necessarily confront head on and try and make better. Um, I know it's much more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, but absolutely. And what's, you know, what is the source? Um, mm. that is driving such angry youth to act out in such horrific ways. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Uh, let's take some voice notes. Let's take uh, one voice note for now. I think we should really teach our children to be able to stand up for themselves, especially against their peers. I won't describe it as a bullying if my child comes home crying, being beaten by the child of his own age, his same age now. Children must be able to to stand up for themselves. Yes, if it's an older person that is bullying, or is more than two children that is bullying, not a child of his own age. My boy won't come home and tell me that he's been beaten by the boy of his own age. He must defend himself. And I'm telling you, if they do that, they'll be winners. Okay, so we're back to that question I had for you, Ms. Kubega. Our values are not the same. You could hear there. Um, you know, I don't necessarily think violence is the, is, the, is the way to go. And children are different. Children really are different, even if they're the same age. And if you yeah. have a parent in another home telling their child, well, I tell you what, if somebody <laughs> even, you know, somebody pushes you, you better punch them three times. You yeah, know, that's the problem. Th- then no. then we are not on the same page. Yeah, we we're not on the same page. And and as you say, what will that achieve in the long? I agree about teaching our children how to stand up for themselves. I definitely agree with that. But there are many ways to do that without returning the violence yourself. Uh, I I uh, we need to have them with strategies to even detect someone who's like that before they even are part of, the, of their lives. You know, I, I write in my book, Teenager to Wife, a lot about how, how you, who you choose to, to associate yourself with and, and to see the signs early of uh, someone who's violent, who's, who's bullying, who's got the potential even. So I think we can work harder on prevention and how the strategies, how this young person can avoid situations like that and who to go to if that becomes too much. But uh, for me personally, I have a child who was bullied, and he is just not the type. He's very strong, exercises everything, but he's just is not the type of child that would would hit another person. He just has uh, never hit any other child in his life because of the way we, they, they've been raised. They've never seen it at home, so not every child is going to hit back, and it's not a solution. I think rather strategies to empower young people definitely to be able to defend themselves and their strategies to do that. You mm. know, Henry, you calling from Emelo High. Hi, Penelope. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for calling, Henry. Yes. Um, I just want to have uh, a take on mm. the subject of uh, of bullying, mm-hmm. um, especially when it comes to children mm. in a school environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, especially this one particular of uh, uh, where the child ended up uh, committing suicide, mm. it's... Um, I think there's a fine line between children who uh, try to sort out issues amongst themselves mm-hmm. and uh, bullying as per the 
definition of, of mm. bullying. Mm. Because uh, uh, in my opinion, bullying is not an incident that happens once. Mm-hmm. It should be an event where a certain group or a particular individual uh, tries to assert his or her authority over other people through violent means. Um, I don't think in this case uh, it really, really, really fits that definition of bullying. What I've noticed is probably the media and probably the society at large took this one and blew it out of proportion. I've noticed that even the police have charged the child with um, um, assault with intention to to cause previous bodily harm. I think it's a little bit far. So, Henry, let me just help you quickly because we're running out of time. Um, yes. If you had followed the story, you would know that this this was not a once-off incident with this young lady. Um, there had oh. been complaints also that the authorities actually knew of. The only difference is that nobody acted. So this was oh, not yes. just because it was captured on camera. There has been a history with this particular young girl. And oh, so that's, oh. that's the distinction there. Oh, okay. I thought because I only saw that. Yes. So, thanks very much for that, Henry. So, let me come back to you, um, Dr. Solomon, because I mean, maybe that's something to pick up on. The, the fact that someone has been so aggrieved that they feel like they need to commit suicide my my concern is even if it's only been the first time we need to see when someone raises a flag and says someone's bothered me absolutely because when we uh, wait until it's too late then it's often too late absolutely so i think i mean first of all we want to give children the message that safety is a right and emotional safety and physical safety is one of their rights and it's it's and they shouldn't accept certain behaviors as a rite of passage. But we also need to give them channels. Who do you go to? You know, what are the policies in place to help them keep safe? What's bigger than them that's holding the frame of school? And I, I wonder if this child knew who she could go to, what she could do, or was she feeling completely helpless as though there would be, nothing was ever going to change? Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, another thing that often we see with, with victims is um, they often internalize. Um, mm. So they, they, that's quite common. So we really have to work to helping children to communicate difficult feelings and yeah. to communicate vulnerability without shame. Yeah. That actually the only way we can assist is if we know what's going on. So, so Ms. Kubega, it's, it's unfortunately too often that we hear that someone did raise a flag and nothing, nothing. actually did happen. Um, and, in, and I'm also worried about our reaction to the story. We are not talking about those who were um, oblivious to what was happening. We're not talking about the school and why it should take responsibility and what measures they're going to take for not acting. We are only focusing on the young girl. Your response to that? You're right. We focus on the young girl too much. I think the school must try to have some office where the learners feel free to go and talk confidentially. I work in schools. I'm a social worker. I work in schools. I work with uh, in, in colleges with young adults. They finish metric and they're uh, uh, learning a trade. 
and they know that they can come to this, they can make an appointment to come and talk to me, talk to the professional in the school, and together we will solve that problem. If I need to help them knock at certain doors and, and, and be, be the mediator, or, or whatever needs to be done will be done. Uh, it's very difficult to, to I hope as a country we've learned mm-hmm. that we need to have uh, somebody in the school where children, uh, learners, uh, students can go to, to speak to. And that must be provided by the school, by our, our government, by our the, the private schools normally have these resources, but not everyone has got because as uh, safety definitely is their right. They need to know where to run to. Uh, that can't be the, the only thing that the, ch- the, the young person thinks is the only solution. When there's resources, we must avail resources out there for them to be supported. And I, I, I wish we could all multiply and be everywhere where they need us because there is a need. The need mm-hmm. is big. The, the, the violence is worse than when I grew up. And, and the, it must be prioritized. I have to thank you both. I really appreciate your time. Nozugubega is a practicing social worker and youth mentor and coach. Dr. Natalie Solomon is a clinical psychologist and director of research at Bellavista Share.